Max Gorlin, Melbourne Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cotchin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Penderbury from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell from the Hawthorne Footy Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hey, friends, you got MJ from the Coaches Panel. I hope you're well, and after weeks, months, maybe just a few hours, depending on the type of personality you are. We are just moments now away after all that period of time of preparation. Round one for your fantasy footy season is about to get underway. There is a lot to talk about and a lot of people wanted to get this man on the episode, as did I. For the last time, I feel like we can roll this out before the flag unfurling. The 2020 AFL Dream Team champion of 2020 is on this episode. Hello, Ritz. How are you, mate? Yeah, not too bad, mate. I'm, um, I'm thankful that the pre-season's over and I don't have to hear that title anymore. Yeah, well, that's my fault. I keep saying it. You're certainly not asking for it. But look, it's an important moment. At time of recording, less than 24 hours out from round one commencing. And a couple of important things for us to talk about on this episode. We've got some Patreon questions that we want to get to. And of course, a massive shout out to all of our Patreons, incredible supporters. They right now have a bunch of exclusive content that if you want to go and join our Patreon supporter group, all the links for that are at coachespanel.tv, including over 50 pages of summaries, documents, data, analysis, and a bunch of other stuff that you can go and check out, uh, including yeah, that 50-page plus magazine of cash cows, reviews, and summaries. It is all there at coachespanel.tv if you join our Patreon supporter group. And speaking of coachespanel.tv, Rids, you can go there and you can check out every AFL debutante that has been confirmed to be named in round one. We're tracking them. And that's what I want to start talking about with you, Rids, straight out of the gate. Because we could spend a lot of time on all of the cash cows, and the probable cash cows, guys like James Rowe, who haven't been announced yet from Adelaide, especially with the news that he that um, Tyson Stengel and the club have parted ways, he's fit, he's fine, he's going to get a job. Let's talk about the guys that we know that have been at time of recording revealed. And I'd love just your initial take on some of these guys. Again, our Patreons have got a full in-depth analysis on every single one of these guys, but I'm keen on your initial take. The Sydney trio of Goulden in the midfield, McDonald in the forward line, and Braden Campbell in the mid-forward territory. They've all been confirmed from the Swans. Is it one, two, three, or none of these guys we should be considering across the formats? So I'm really reluctant to pay top dollar for the rookies, really. I really Mm. am. Unless it's a Matt Rowell or a Sam Walsh, you know, someone that's absolutely the best of the best, I'm always reluctant to pick like that premium rookie price guy. So that having said that, okay, I'm not saying people shouldn't pick Campbell, but mm. I've just got a line through him only because of that reason. I just see him as a 40, 50, 60 type rookie, you know, someone that you could easily get you know, a mid-pricer or a premium down to on the bubble if you're really, really desperate and he goes absolutely nuts. Sure. You know, I just, so I just, I'm hesitant to start those guys. That's all. Unless Um, it's a Matt Rowell, I'm hesitant. So we talk about this a lot this time of the preseason. So for new um, Patreons, new coaches panel listeners that have just joined the pod and and found us over the past couple of months, talk me through this mindset um, of, 
but I'm paying, or the thought is this, but I'm paying for their job security by paying this extra cash. Is that is that a true statement that's got some merit in it or is that just a fantasy myth? Um, well, I don't think you really are, are you? In this instance today where we've had, how many debutants did we have named like this? I, I think there was, there was about five or six named today, but I think there's been about 10 or 12 in the past 24 hours. Yeah, so, I mean... You'd have to think that there's quite a few rookies this year that have got good job security if there's that many names, you know. Mm. And I'm thinking of guys like, like we've spoken about it, and no doubt we're going to speak about it again because it's the topic of the preseason, that's the ruts. But yeah. look at Matt Flynn, he has to have as good a job security as any rookie-priced player in the history of any of the fantasy comps. I agree. You know, I mean, Lloyd Meek, people will go, oh, yeah, but Sean Darcy's coming back. But the reality is, I don't know how many times we've heard commentary out of Fremantle. Mm. Lom's gone for like eight, ten weeks. Like, Darcy's going to play forward if he does play. He's had a very interrupted period of time in the preseason. Meek's flying. Mm. So, again, can you... Guarantee me that a guy like Campbell has got better job security at, well, let's say an AFL fantasy case, 92,000 more than a Meek or a Flint. Yeah. It's really hard to start a Campbell in AFL fantasy with that sort of volume of um, rookies being named in round one, yeah? And, and that's such a challenging thing because I think we see this guy that he had a... a reasonable scored second half in the Amy Community Series. And I know here at the coaches panel, we pretty much will tell you in the preseason, the points don't matter. It's all about the role. Um, and he was playing this kind of weird mix of a semi-key distributor, a small down, a small lockdown defensive role. Again, no Jake Lloyd in the side. So an important fact to consider through there. But we see this guy, we get him named, we see the DPP, there's the perception high draft pick. All these things are there screaming at us. Pick him, pick him, pick him, pick him. But I don't think he's a have-to pick. I think the only rookie that, and again, we're doing some prediction articles, like there's only two cash cows to me that I go, you have to pick. And for me, that would be Powell and Flynn. Everybody else... Well, it's up for discussion and structure become the two important variables for me. Yeah, correct. And, I mean, Campbell, okay, he's a lot more attractive after what we found out in those preseason games for Supercoach. Sure. You know, those running halfbacks, the, the guys with good disposals, the ones with the good efficiency. There's every chance that Campbell is might very well. And I, I think I've actually selected him in my Supercoach, mainly because he's, he's only... 40, what was it? it was, sorry, off the top of my head, I'm just trying to think. It's been a big day at work. 70,000 more, okay, than that rookie value. But the reality is yeah. he's actually got a lot more scoring potential with what we saw through the offseason. In that format, I, yeah. Yeah, I'm just not seeing that in a dream team. And at this point in time, I don't know about you, but do you feel any more confident selecting Campbell job security-wise than a Brockman? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, Brockman's playing for a similar lower team. There's no real small forward options. Brockman gives them 
an X factor, like with tackling and everything else. And I mean, I would have thought that they would be at least regarded uh, with similar um, mm. job security at this point in time. I think so. And it goes back to a conversation we have every preseason, which is if you're spending the big dollars on these cash cows, you're paying, you need to get return on investment. You need them to outperform these guys at the base level. So if we're using um, AFL fantasy as the example, Campbell, about 90,000, I'm rounding, about 90,000 more expensive than a Brockman or a Jordan. So again, regardless of the positioning you choose of whether it's a forward mid, it's around about $90,000. Almost... Another one, MJ. Let's yeah. throw Bergman. Yeah, now, sure. Bergman's got a... We've seen potential here to be a way better scorer than what Campbell brings to the table. Now, yes, he's in a stronger team. So then, well, I mean, that's where the argument comes around job security in that sure. relation. But... You might make just as much with Bergman in your team, okay, as in half the games that you do with Campbell in a dream team or an AFL fantasy. I mean, and you're already freed up at 90000 before you even get to that stage. That's right. So that's and, the other part of it. Yeah. And again, we, we talk about all the, it's the logic and the mindset. Now, that's the responsibility of what a Bergman type or a Rowe type, you know, these or a Jordan type, they need to do. To maximise, you know, the return of Campbell investment, he needs to outperform these guys by a certain points percentage, whether it be 10 points per game over a seven-week period, you need to be generating the same amount of income, he needs to outperform them to be able to do it. So it's not just about the points. The points matter. But what's the most important thing you want from your cash cows? Cash generation. And so the more cash you spend on them, the more they must score to maximise the same cash generation of these basement price cows. So Campbell must score more over six weeks than a Brockman over six weeks by at least 10 points per game to maximise the same cash generation. Yep, 100% agree. And now, if we're talking keeper leagues, okay, that's a no-brainer. Oh, Campbell different story. Every day of the week. So people have to also separate that mindset because we've just come out of keeper league season, I like to call yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. there and everything else. And then what happens is you're building up this. So everyone does a ranking, okay, for their keeper leagues. And they go, okay, who's the best out of the draft feed crops? And it might be a Will Phillips. It might be a Campbell. It might be a... Pound, um, whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. So suddenly you go, okay, these guys are the three best draftees from last year for a keeper league. But because we're in keeper league season, sometimes we're building that expectation and trying to carry over that reputation into a salary cap format. Yeah. It doesn't quite mesh like that because you're actually banking that this guy's going to be the best of the best later, yeah. you know, three, four, five, six years. From a salary cap, and I think you've absolutely nailed it with that explanation, is points is absolutely awesome. There's no dramas about points, mm. you know, but we're not paying money at the 170, 180,000 to get a maximum and guaranteed points per week. What we're trying to do is generate enough cash to then upgrade and downgrade through that strategy, that trading that we use every single year, year in, year out to maximise the points on ground by getting premiums to a completed team. 
the more points scored by the rookie, happy days, not yeah. because of the points. The points are the icing on the cake. It's because 100%. of the extra cash that's been generated by that score. Yeah, and it's why there's going to be a time, if it's not this week, um, it'll probably be next week, where you lose rookie roulette, where you put the wrong cash cow on the ground and you drop 20, 30 points to your overall points for the week. Yeah, okay, it's not great. No one likes to go, well, I could have had 20 more here or 30 more there or 15 more here. Here's the thing. If you've got the cash cow, you've got the cash generation. And that more than the points over these opening six to 10 weeks is what matters the most. These young kids, these cash cows, get that cash generation, play that break-even game, get as much income into your side so that then you can get the points on ground because it's not going to be a cash cow most weeks that makes the difference. It's your captain option giving you an 80 when he should have got you a 120. It's when you get, uh, and we'll talk about this soon, your player gets injured and is a forced medical sub and is out. These are the moves. They're going to hurt your season, not the wrong cash cow on the ground. Exactly. And that's why I, now we spoke about this a week, a week and a half ago um, on the last pod. Mm. This is why it blows my mind every single year. It's like, well, we don't want to get a zero on the ground, but no, we're looking at it the wrong way. We want a rookie flavored donut because that's only going to be 30, 40, 50 points. At any point in time, any of your rookies on the bench might score a hundred. Mm. And you might have a 40-point scorer on the ground. So it's a 60-point. But why do we get so worried about, oh, my God, you can't have this rookie in this position because it's hard to get the cover. And do, 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 do. and <laughs> I'm referring to ruck rookies, obviously. Yeah, sure. Isn't that flawed logic? It's yeah. absolutely flawed logic. Like, the reality is, it's points is points. Like if you get a zero, you don't want a zero with six hundred, seven hundred thousand dollars sitting on the bench. You want to get a zero with the hundred and seventy on the bench. Yeah, because that's the less points. You're not paying for the points at that part. You're paying for the cash, and you've absolutely nailed it. Now we never want to see a rook donut, no, but that's not you. because of scoring on the ground. That's because it stunts your cash generation. Correct. That's the problem. And we're going to talk about the new sub rule and everything else that's been we'll do that in a minute. Yeah. And that's one of the highlighted points is I'm glad that Supercoach and Dream Team came out and actually was very clear that yeah. if your player is wearing a sub vest, whatever happens, yep. and he doesn't get on the ground, it's not yep. regarded as a score. It's a yep. DNP, did not play. Yeah. Uh, I think it should not impact. Now, the thing that I worry about, though, MJ, yeah. this is really a bit of um, the rookie roulette in um, hyperdrive here, is when your substitute, when your rookie does get the best in week three, week four, this week we can actually control them. But what happens when he's got a negative 100 break even? Yeah. The next game, he wears a vest and he gets on in the last 10 minutes of the game and scores 15. That becomes the real problem. That is the real problem. For those of you, and we'll, we'll come back to some more rookie conversation in a second, but for those of us that are listening to this episode and you're like, oh, I did see about the sub, but I'm not really quite clear what's happening. How does it work? Here's what it is. is it's not a concussion sub. It's a medical substitute, which means AFL teams, do get to name an additional player on the interchange bench, but here's the here's the caveats. One, 
It comes from the emergency listings. So you get your full 22 named and listed, and it's only 60 minutes before the game commences that you find out who that medical sub is. So that's point number one. So the benefit of what we're seeing this week with these, this player's debuting, this player's debuting, they're debuting. They're going to play because they're not a listed emergency. So that's the benefit of that. Again, if you just kept playing catch-up, AFL Fantasy, because of these rules and the team sheet announcements, they've been forced to move into a rolling locker. So now all salary caps are all playing by the same rules. You're all on rolling lockouts. You've all got the opportunity for a weekly vice captaincy loophole. Again, we'll talk about that later. How does the medical sub work? Practically, it's really, really simple. Is It is only the medical team, not the coaches. Now it's open to obviously exploitation, but it is only the medical team that can determine if a player is unfit in the match um, or participate in any match for at least the next period of time. And so that is what it is. So we're going to see that. I suppose there's two elements that I want to talk to you about. You've already talked about one, so maybe we'll stay there. What does this genuinely mean for our cash cows? Because not just the cash stunting of generation, but there's now 18 players every week that could pop with an early injury or could deliver us nothing. I think the biggest picture, um, the biggest story out of this sub. Now, from a couple of years ago, we had those subs. The only difference really is that you must have an injury that's going to keep you out for a couple of weeks with the first diagnosis by the doctor. Yeah. Um, and there's no more rest in subs, okay? So there's no rookie that comes off for a break because he's exhausted because he's played two and a half rounds. Totally. Um, two and a half quarters rounds. Well, that too. The biggest thing, though, is you need to be monitoring your team because across all three of these formats, there's a rolling lock here. Yeah. If any of your players are named as emergencies. Now, we, we always do it anyway, or the majority of us do with laid-ins, laid-outs, make sure final teams, which was 90 minutes before the game. we just got to make that 60 minutes now because the last thing you want is having one of your emergencies on the field because you haven't been keeping attention or you've just made a mistake with, you know, resetting your team or whatever yeah, else sure. before that role. And you're finding out that that guy's now got a sub this because you don't want him on the ground. So you just got to pay attention a little bit more, you know, with an hour before the game. It's true. That's oh. all it is. All right. So there's ask. no real change. There's no real change. It's just, it's still going to be luck, yeah? Yeah, I think so. And, and again, you'll know the night before because they're going to be named as an emergency and it is from that existing group of four players that they will then move forward um, beyond that. Now, again, like we see at the previous 90 seconds before, there are laid outs. There are late changes. Clubs can still make those moves 60 minutes before, like we're seeing you know, uh, someone like, uh, I don't know, Marlon Pickett, who's been named as an emergency. He's every chance and potential of being that first sub. But also, again, someone like, a, I'm just picking a Richmond player, Jake Arts, who's been named, there's nothing stopping Dima Hardwick and the Richmond team going, actually, you know what? We are changing. We're going to move Arts to an emergency and we're going to, our late change is that, but Arts, you're at, like there's nothing stopping them from that. 
um, from doing moves like that. And I, I think the AFL won't like that, but there's nothing stopping them based on what the rules are set up for right now. Correct. And you might find, okay, and this is going to be the interesting one from, I think it was um, GWS Play St Kilda on Sunday, and they're predicting 20 or 30 mils of rain. Now, if they get to the ground and it's pouring with rain and they've gone in tall, there's no reason why they can't make a late in, late out, okay, tall for small in the emergencies, and then put the tall as the sub. Yeah, just exactly. in case one of the rucks does get injured. Like, whatever happens, happens. The fact of the matter is, and when that sub comes on, it's all pure luck. 100%. It's the same thing as getting a concussion to one of your players in the last few years in the first five minutes of the game or getting an injury with a hamstring exactly. or whatever it is. It's the same thing. It's, it's just another variable of luck that's factored into the game. That's it. Yeah, um, it's what just is that it? you're going to have to be a little bit tidy and just monitor your team 60 minutes before each bounce. Yeah, so have those, you know, my encouragement too would be this. Um, have your notifications of whatever social media you follow of us with the coaches panel, like this is genuinely will help you. We'll tweet them out. We'll post them out on Facebook um, when, they when they come, any changes that come through. So um, whether it be us, maybe you've got others that do the same. Cool, that's fine. No problem at all. But have some form of pinned notification on your phone because what you don't want to do is spend your weekend just trolling and watching through your phone. Life's way too much more important to be lived than trolling that for the weekend. But we'll post that information for you, if not others doing that. Um, here's a question I want to ask before we move away too much from the medical sub. What does this change anything for players that have maybe in our starting squads that previously have a poor injury history of games played? So players such as yeah, players like a Fife and a Josh Kelly. Why does that? I actually think it does because I would want someone in my team that's got a little bit of history about playing through pain. So mm. At no point in time do they get a knock and they've got a history of going off, coming on, going off, coming off, going on, not getting through games. Like, And I'm talking about the guys that have a consistent history of that. Now, what was it, Josh? And I know you've been massive on Josh Kelly. I've been huge on Josh Kelly myself for a large period of yeah. this preseason. But when I heard that this was potentially coming in, I sort of was, I was just uncomfortable looking at him anymore because it was like at any point in time, there's a history here that says he's going to struggle to get the 22 games for the year. And I, again, we're not trying to predict an injury or anything no, like no, that. No. We're just saying we've seen enough games, enough seasons of football to know that he's, he's unlikely with what we've seen previously to hit that 2022 games. He's also had a history of soft tissues where he might have a tweak of a hamstring or might be... And what, what's that term? They use hamstring awareness or something That's like correct. that? That's correct. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there'll, there'll be a bunch of new terms we learn. It, it, does this new rule mean as soon as you have any hamstring awareness, they, they don't try and get you on and off and try again and try third, fourth time, you know? So you can always rack up those extra 15, 20, 30 points when they come back on. Because how many times do we see it? A guy gets a corky in the first quarter, he can run out to about half time, 
Mm. Half time comes, the rest happens, <laughs> no chance after the rest, you know. Is that a case then? The doctor says, okay, look, he's likely to miss next week because of the ham- corky or the hamstring awareness anyways. We'll take the safe option. So it's just those really, those guys, you know, Sean Darcy's made a paper. <laughs> like, I mean, does this mean he's never going to play a full game of football ever? in the rest of his career. I don't know, because like there are these types, isn't there? Like, I mean, Fife, you mentioned earlier, yeah. Kelly, you know, but I would like to see someone with a bit of grunt about them, like uh, whether it's like um, a Dunkley or a Dane. How many times have we seen Danger just fight through an injury on the field? Yeah, it know? looks like he's shot and 30 seconds later, he's Superman. Yeah. Yeah, you, you see what... And someone with a bit of durability about them. So I actually think in a weird kind of world, if we were just looking at a two-player relationship there, someone like a Dustin Martin, who is just so durable year in, year out. Yeah. And then you look at someone like a Josh Kelly, who may not hit that 20 game in a season. Yeah. I just, I get a little bit nervous, and I don't know about you, but I get a little bit nervous with these new late rules. That yeah. I go, oh my goodness, this could absolutely ruin my year. Yeah, I, I think it's got that all over, doesn't it? Because like the thing with you, and I mean, you, you know this yourself, I'm not telling anyone any different. You build yourself up so good that, okay, Josh Kelly got through pre-season, yeah. like he's been, he's flying, he's absolutely, there's no doubt in the world about him 100%. flying. He is absolutely flying, but at any point in time he gets a knock and he comes off and he misses 12 days, that's potentially one, maybe two games if it's not in the right time frames. Well, it could be two and a bit games, including the game they miss. That's right. So what happens in that instance is you went, oh, no, 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 he was flying. I took him for a reason. And you're potentially looking, really, really looking at going, I'm going to reinforce what I saw in the preseason here and I'm going to back him in. Even though there's a part of you going, oh, geez, I might, you know, he's a trade. I should be trading this guy. And you've convinced yourself that you've absolutely nailed his preseason. He got through it, he's there. And if it's like it, it could absolutely ruin your season if you're not careful. I think I think with any of these injury-prone guys. Um, oh, yeah, I don't for, like the word injury. No, 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 guys, guys that have got a history of consistency of oh, history. Ev- everybody, know? yeah, everybody that's got an injury history that's an alarming thing for you. Whatever term you want to put. My thing would be this: if you're picking them with this rule, whether it's a Kelly, a Fife. Or others, there are a bunch of them that rolls through. If for whatever reason you've decided, I'm still going to pick them even without, even with this new information, that's okay. But if they are subbed off and you are forced to miss a minimum of two games because of that, let alone how severe the rest of the injury could be. Again, we've seen time and time in games where clubs, medical staff have been conservative because they don't want to do further damage. This rule what does that look like? Well, how does that work? Again, we don't know the full extent of it because we've not seen it. But I think it just means guys like a Kelly or a Fife, if they get injured in season, you just have to trade them. You can't hold them for that two or three week injury. You've picked them knowing the risk that's going to come. And the decision must be regardless of the injury, I'm going to bank the points I get from them 
And then the moment that injury hits, you are gone from my side, never to be seen again. And you can't be annoyed or disappointed if the injury hits. And then you just pray and hope and cross your toes and legs for the luck that you got for guys like a Taylor Adams last year where they played every game or Brad Crouch a few years before that or a Devin Smith a few years before that. That's what you're hoping for, knowing full well that it's likely going to cost you a trade at some point. And I think that's 100% accurate. I think what you do is you go, rightio, because they've got a consistency um, of injury history, okay, and that's a really way, weird way to put it, I know, but <laughs> the, the reality is you have to start them. If you're keen on someone, you have to start them. Yeah. Uh, as soon as any sign of trouble, you just got to make a hard rule. You just any sign of trouble, I'm throwing him out the door and yeah. I'm grabbing the next guy in. Yeah. And you know what? The reality is the next guy you bring in potentially has the same issue and you just have it's the luck of the game. How, that's what fantasy footy is about, isn't it? It's just the luck of the game. I'm, I'm curious, man. You know, we've talked about you know the medical side. We started to talk a little bit about cash cows. I'd like to come back to that point around cash cows. Um, I've revealed my side up at coachespanel.tv. Uh, Thursday morning, again, at time of recording, it might already be up at coachespanel.tv. Your super coach side, Rids, is going up there. Tim's NFL fantasy side is going up. Maybe we can kind of pry a couple of the more other teams uh, out of some of the panel to be able to put up at coachespanel.tv before round one gets underway. But one of the immediate feedbacks we got about mine um, and others that have approached this strategy, even some of the feedback we got after last week's podcast, I'd like to spend some more time on it with you just to unpack it for people is around running a cash cow at R2. We've already got three now confirmed cash cows that will debut in round one. Lloyd Meek, Matt Flynn, Paul Hunter. All have been confirmed by their clubs officially that they will play. Now, Ritz, all three, though, have only got opportunities through injury or, in Hunter's case, personal reasons with Ryder, in addition to Marshall's injury. You made an interesting point at the top of the episode where you talked about cash cow role security. Help me understand if I'm hesitant about running a cash cow at R2, because those that are doing it understand the benefits. If I'm hesitant or I'm concerned about it, help me try to see why that might be a, an appropriate approach. Okay, so let's, let's try and think back three or four months now. People were more than happy to pick Braden Pruce as their R2. Yes. Now, at that point in time, we had no understanding that there would be an R3 options that we have right now, okay? And I'm saying the rookie options. Yes. So at that point in time, they were grabbing potentially a Pruce and someone, okay? Sure. And they were using the VC loophole. So they would have picked someone who wasn't even going to be playing. And what they do is they put the emergency on one of the guys, have a Gorn or Grundy at R1, and trade the VC on that. If it didn't work, then you've got a captaincy option with a non-playing R3. Sure. Why are we so worried now that we've got three rookie rats? <laughs> if you didn't have anything, you would. what would happen if Bruce was rested? And Mumford was playing that week. Isn't that yeah. the same argument that they're making with Flynn right now? Yeah. Well, I think it's more about Hunter and Meeks. I don't think I don't think anyone should justifiably question Flynn's job security that Mumford will come back or Briggs will 
get no Mumford is your he is your backup parachute to your parachute which is if Flynn and Briggs can't cut it which they've shown they actually can in the preseason we actually now see that they can Mumford is there for your rainy day if you ever need it and just because it happened to Source last year doesn't mean it's going to happen to Flynn and Briggs neither of them are as cooked as Source yeah, but 50% of coaches, okay, two months ago were happy to put Proust with a non-playing R3. That's right. Mumford was still in the team. The Correct. same team as Flynn. Same so argument. I, so Same argument. What are they doing? What is their thought process? Just because someone's been... Proust hasn't had a big run at the big grade. Like oh. he, He's never been an R1 before. No one knows how he's going to handle it. No, it's true. So it's just madness. So let's just go another step to this, okay? Cool. Now, yeah. I've seen some of the craziest commentary I've ever seen in my life, and it's it blows my mind. There's six defenders on the field. There's mm. two defenders on the bench. You can only put the emergency on one of them, Correct. okay? Now, depending on who plays at what point in time, there's potential here that three or four of these guys are locked in it's, it's a laid out. Yeah. So why are we worried about R two when the only substitute is definitely playing at this early stage or has a potential to play, yeah. but we're not worried at D four or D five? Like it's the same thought process. Like, and on top of that, okay, the rookies we're selecting now. Let's go Tanner Bruin. Okay. Yeah. He's playing a small forward position at the moment mm. for GWS. He's going to debut this week. Awesome. That's not lovely. Great work. The reality of it is he's playing a small forward that's not actually really a nice role for fantasy football generally. No. no. But people think there's a confidence around him instead of a ruck one option that's around the ball every single ruck contest. Like, it's madness. It's we, We're a crazy lot, us fantasy coaches. We seem to think there's risk around that. Yeah, we don't think there's risk around choosing a guy that's worth 950000 Yeah, I think it's just because of the positional, the lack of positional options, which, are, again, you've already covered debunking some of that mindset, but it's the, but at least I've got two or at least I've got three options through the midfield or I've got a utility in AFL fan. Like I've got options, whereas I don't hear it's like, yeah, but if you look at the security options of our rucks in contrast to almost every other basement price or any other cash cow at all, Flynn has the best job security of every cash cow, in my opinion, in 2021. He's got no, the best. No, I 100% agree. He has to have the best, yeah? He's got the best. And then you look at... Why have every other cash cow coming? And again, you can go and check our cash cow guide. All the links for that for our Patreon supporters are at coachespanel.tv. But you go through some of the other guys' names. As good as Tanner Bruin was and is, and I think he will be in time. I think he's going to be an elite footballer. He's got some really great skills about him. But even just over the next six weeks, who's to say he has got better job security than Paul Hunter? Oh, but, but Paddy Wright is going to come back in four weeks. But is he? We don't know, really? We don't, we don't know. Oh, but Ron Marshall no still... Idea. We don't know these guys. Oh, but Sean Darcy's going to take Lloyd Meade's spot. But, but is he? We know Lob's out. 
I actually think that discussion of who's the first choice ruck at Fremantle that is right for, now that is, up. is it's up for grabs. It is up for grabs. Like, like it I was mean, at Adelaide a few years ago with O'Brien got an opportunity due to an injury with Source, and then Source couldn't get back in. There is every chance Meek does that same style of thing to Darcy. 100%, mate. It is. It, it really is a very similar situation. Obviously, the ages are slightly different. Yeah, different variables. Sure, Darcy hasn't had a good crack at it due to injuries, and he's already been injured in the preseason. And Lobb, who was the go-to ruck first ruck option if Sean Darcy got injured, is now mm. out for 10 weeks. Yep. So I don't know, mate. I just think that sometimes we go looking for a Issues. little bit of crazy. We go looking for things. I look at it the other way. I think to myself, well, that conversation that we heard comments by Goodwin saying Gorn's going to play forward more. Sure. That should be more risky than choosing a Flynn at 110, 120,000 than what it is a Gorn at 750,000 in Supercoach. Because that's a lot of money for a guy priced at 130 something average. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, he's still going to be an absolute gun. There's no no worries about that. But there's more risk going Gorn in that instance than the Flynn factor in this reality. So, that's right. So anyways, so I don't want to harp too much on it because I don't want people to, I want them to make a decision themselves. The cold hard truth on this is if you've won a format, we're we're creatures of habit, us humans. Hmm. If we've won a format or won a league title or won a cash league, whatever it is, it is. And we've set ourselves up one year, the next year, and the most likely default position is to start the same way. We go again. I can tell you now, I was lucky enough to win a format last year. I started Sam Jacobs in my team, and we all know how that went. Yeah. It's not the end of the season when you've got the maximum trades in round one to start something slightly different to how you would normally start. I would just get people, and I want to encourage people to explore the possibility. Just have a look. No one's going to shoot you if you remove that Gorn or Grundy out of your team in the preseason. No. But see what it does for your other lines and see how you feel. Are you more comfortable? Are you not? And then back your gun. But don't just go, oh, well, set and forget. That's the only way I play. Because it is a game after all, is it not? Yeah. And the game change, it, it, it evolves. There, there is multiple rules that have come in this year that we're going to see will affect the way the game is played. And we're like, seeing it's going to affect the scoring of the premium rucks. I agree. There's, there's a large percentage of throw-ins not occurring anymore because teams are looking to go more inside, inside. There's less congestion. Yeah. There's less marking. From what we've seen in the um, off-season, there's less marks for those rucks. Hmm. You want the ruck to be able to either go forward or behind and impact with marks. Correct. A Gorn takes intercept marks behind the ball, a kick behind O'Brien the play. does that, yeah. O'Brien does that. Nankervis so, does that, by the way, too. 100% he does. 
someone like a Grundy struggles to do that, which is what I wasn't telling people not to choose Grundy a couple no. of weeks ago. I'm actually saying I've got doubts that these new rules work well for it and that the current makeup of the Collingwood team with Cameron and Cox, and Cox. there's a bit of risk there, I thought. Yeah, and, and I think that's the thing with not just those guys, but with rookie rucks is, okay, well, let's run, let's always, we always look at worst case scenario. With every decision you make, with every player you pick, it's always, why are you there? Um, what is my justification? But then what's my plan B if this backfires? So let's say Ryder comes back round two. Let's run with that. Make, okay. Let's run with that theory. Okay, Hunter, you're out. And Marshall recovers well. Okay, so Hunter, okay, waste of space, pick. Cool, all right, no problem. Meek, Darcy comes back. Um, and they just decide, no, we're going to use a Tabiner to play that kind of ruck relief roll up forward. We're going to use one of our other tools, like a Hamling or whatever. Cool. Okay, so now all of a sudden Meek is stuck. Okay, now you're just down to one. One working option in Flynn. Oh, but what if he gets into it? Okay, that's a lot of what ifs, but sure. Let's run the gauntlet. The worst case scenario, the worst case scenario is it costs you two trades and kills your structure that you wanted to go with. Worst case scenario, you're like, okay, well, I better, I've got to move my M4 into an R2. I've got to move my mid-price D4. I've got to go get a McAvoy or an English or a Martin or an Ankervis because my structure's ruined. So worst case scenario, if everything, and that's a lot of everything, because that's three cash cow rookies that have all gone pear-shaped. Remember, you only need one of them on field. Even if that happens, it's one week, two trades. I mean, the amount of trades we've all got in the games these days, you can afford it pretty easy. Yeah, but the other thing is, MJ, and I think a lot of people have lost sight of this, is you can actually hold for a week with no playing R2, mm. lose your 50-point hit for that, and give yourself another chance the week after to see whether those any of those three Come are back. available again. Yeah, and it's 50 points. Like you said, it's not going to lose only you. Only 50 points. If your expectation is the R rookie rucks are only going to score 50 to 60 points, which I think is a very, very conservative approach, hmm. that's that's 100% accurate then. You're only losing 50 points for the week. Now, if Gorn and Grundy, if you start with Gorn and Grundy hmm. and one of them misses round two, Ooh. And you don't have a play in R3, are you going that to make hurts. a trade? Are you That's going to hold? That's a different conversation. Isn't that the awkward conversation? That is the right approach. Not if a rookie misses. I know people will say, oh, yeah, but you've got all these options to trade down. But but you started Gordon and Grundy with the thought process of holding them for the whole year. Mm-hmm. You're not looking at making any trades in the ruck for that instance. Mm-hmm. If one of them misses round two, what do you do? Do you make a trade, even though you were thinking only a week ago that you were never going to make a trade in the ruts? Mm. Yes, you've got a whole heap of options, but you don't have Gorn or Grundy. You, you're removing one of the, the guy that you think is a clear two choice mm. to go to someone else, which means you're going to lose more points for the season if you were correct than holding and just taking a hit for one week. I think that's 
that's what I love about the way you 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 read the game and what I, I so love being a part of this community. Not just those of us you hear on the episodes or those of us that write articles, but what this community of coaches panel is all about is let's look, listen, and actually challenge a mindset that might be popular propaganda for one reason or another. Um, and it's not knocking anybody for that. If that's what you want to choose to do, nah, God bless you. Go and make that decision at the end of the day. Well, we, we clearly all take this game maybe a little too seriously sometimes. Um, is You're just meant to have fun and enjoy it. And if you don't enjoy a player in your team, if it's making you anxious, running a certain structure or a strategy, if you're like, oh, I don't know how this... It's a freaking game. Just relax. I feel like I'm like Rids yelling at a crowd now, to be honest. But like, just enjoy the thing. Like, yes, we all want to succeed. Yes, we want it to do well. And we want cars and money and bragging rights and leads and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, how much control over this do we really, really have? You need skill to get into the conversation to win it. No question. But as Rids, you can attest to better than me and someone from watching it from you quite close and from myself getting quite close to winning it all the formats at different points over the past few years. Gosh, you need some luck to go your way. 100% you do. But that's the same with anything, isn't yeah. it, really? Yeah. Like, you know, this is what I was saying last week. It's like we got this crazy herd mentality, okay, especially on this world where everybody's an expert and everybody knows everything and everybody's hmm. opinions actually become more than just opinions we're living in a day and age now where technology is absolutely rampant and everyone's got a platform to view what they're thinking but the truth of the matter is it's still happening in the future yeah you can't be selling your opinion as absolute fact because it hasn't happened yet yeah all we can do is do whatever we can with whatever knowledge we've got, whatever information we have at that point in time, make a decision that we're absolutely comfortable with. And yes, of course, there's skill around this and the way you think about stuff, but we can only do what we can do. Yep. I thought Sam Jacobs was an absolute shoe-in at round one last year. <laughs> I never predicted that we would miss multiple weeks with COVID and that Sam Jacobs would age more than whoever in that time frame and not appear for the rest of the year after a knock. Yeah. And I, I, no one would have predicted that Mumford would have mm. been the guy that's going to become ruck one in that season. No. But what do you do? You get thrown a different circumstance that you weren't predicting at that point in time and you deal with it and you move forward. Success in this game is about trading. And that's... It's always about trading. Always been we about trading. We play this game to trade, do we? Get a solid play, base and trade. We start the best we can, but it's an absolute guess. That's it. So, yes, so two things. It's an things. educated guess. Yeah, it's an oh, educated guess. Oh, yeah. It's not random. But it's fire. a guess. So help me with this, Rids, before we get to some of our Patreon questions. For someone, and again, we do team reveals because people ask it from us all the time. And so we, we do them right at the end. Um, we, for our Patreons, we drip feed them over time so they get to see the change in thought process, the research. So they, and again, we do that not because it's like, hey, look at our team, copy our team, or hey, look at our team, look how good we are. Not the thought process. Um, rather, it's going, this is what I'm doing. This is the mindset. This is why. And then helping people understand and see how your team works. 
can and should and does evolve over the preseason. But sometimes looking at team reveals is the most dangerous thing you can do because you just see what someone else is doing. You get FOMO, um, which is fear of missing out for old people. Um, I had to say that for you, Reds. I'm not sure if you knew what FOMO was. Um, and you just end up going, oh, I really do want that player. I'll find a way to get him. I'll chop it and I'll change. And all of a sudden, which is the most dangerous time, you start changing your team because of, oh, I really want to get this guy now because someone else had him. And within a 20-minute period, your team doesn't even look like your team anymore. Yeah, but we start with the salary cap, okay? Across all the formats, we start with a limitation. Yes. So whether you can fit in 11... Now, people will call them keepers. I don't <laughs> like to say keepers. Premiums. Because they could be injured at any point in time and they're not a keeper anymore. Just because mm. they're a premium doesn't mean they're a keeper. Sure. We cannot predict what's going to happen. We're trying to predict them as keepers, but let's call them premiums because that's sure. what you're doing, okay? You're paying for points. Now, if you get 11, 12, or 13 premiums, you might be able to squeeze a 14th. Maybe. You could, potentially. If you think that you've got someone like, um, you're absolutely sold that a Jeremy Cameron might score enough to be a premium in that line, and if he stays on the field and doesn't miss any games, and you hold him for the season, perfect. That's a good outcome. But that's what you need to be looking at with those mid-price options. Are they a realistic option to be a absolute premium for the whole season? But whatever it is, okay, we've got a starting point, 11, 12, or 13. We know there's 22 players on the field. So what we're trying to get to by the end of the season is to have 22 premiums, not keepers, premiums, okay? We want to maximise the scoring for our teams on the field by the end of the season. While we're doing that, that's where the tactics come in. Who should we grab at what point in time? Are they, yeah. Has the price dropped off? Uh, how's their break even? What buy do they have? How could I move this guy to get to this guy? Um, is it a stepping stone option, which is the mid-price option? Mm. I just like to have the mid-price options that I actually believe if everything goes to plan, they could step up and become a premium for that point in time. So that's what we do. Everything from then on is all about trading. Yeah, it's a trade. That's where the strategy comes in. We've, we've, how many times have we talked about this over the last decade? I, I introduced something many, many years ago, um, a thought process. It, we ended up calling it, what do we call it? The broad, the broad rent strategy. Yeah. The reality was, all it is, is going someone with a big break even to a low break even maximize a couple of rounds, use the buys, you know, and you could actually make quite a bit of money in the AFL fantasy um, format. Hmm. So there are options you can get around and do those sort of things. People will call it the break-even game now or whatever is. All you need to do, though, is you need to make sure at that point in time you make that trade with the knowledge you've got and you're most comfortable. And this is what I say all the time, back your gut. Hmm. You've got to back your gut in these instances. I'm not saying your gut's going to tell you the absolute answer. What happens is whatever 
if you play around with three, four, five, six, seven, eight, 10, 20, 100 structures in the preseason, you will have two or three where you're most comfortable. Yes. And then just rely on your gut feel. Do I like to watch this guy play? Yeah. If you don't like to watch the guy play football, there's nothing <laughs> worse than putting him in your team in the starting point because you're going to be watching him for 22 weeks, 22 rounds, you know, 23 rounds, but minus the bye. So you just got to get a gut feel on it. You've got to back yourself in and then you you adjust through the season. I think that's really smart advice. Again, if you are making adjustments, here's what you need to know for all of the formats. Once a team commences their games, any selections with that player are locked in, but you can still adjust and evolve your team because it's now rolling lockouts across all formats. You can still make trades and twists and moves. So your Richmond, your Carlton players, they're locked in, whether they're on field or not, whether they're locked as an emergency or not. Um, that's the key thing to do. And then keep adjusting. That's the, going to be the thing that will catch someone out, almost guaranteed, um, that, that'll do that. All right, we, we need to jump to some Patreon questions to wrap I'll up. I'll just finish oh, yeah. one more thing because I've rambling and lost totally track. Yes. The, rea- the question you asked, though, is... We can't start with everyone. We have no. to we have to go, oh well, look, we're comfortable with this makeup, but I can't start Danger, Dunkley, Zorko, Dusty, all in the same forward line. I mm. can't start Gorn and Grundy with those options. I can't start Neil, Merritt, McRae, and all the big names, you know, in the midfield at the same. It doesn't work like that. You've got to get the best mix of those 11, 12, 13 premiums mm. that you start with that makes you most comfortable. Yeah, it's good feedback. They're the ones that you want to watch. They're the ones that you want to watch playing football for the whole season. They're the ones you enjoy scoring points. You know they've got a history of scoring. Back them in. I think that's really, really good. All right, let's jump into some of our Patreon questions. A few of them we've answered as we've gone through. So guys like... Sam Austin, uh, Jason Harvey again. Although, Jason, I do want to get to your question. Mr. Fat, we'll get to some of these uh, a little bit questions. But here's the first one. Stephen Summers wants to know, AFL fantasy-related question, Rids. What's your thoughts on Liam Duggan in AFL fantasy, especially with the news that Luke Shuey is going to be out? What do you think his potential of scoring in AFL fantasy could be this year? I think he that's the format you pick him in. Yeah. I do. So... He may be a four, five, six-week option. Mm. Who knows? He may turn out to be a whole season option. Yep. He might absolutely smash it in the first four or five rounds where the coach goes, we're not moving him out of that midfield now. We need to develop this guy and give him the time in there, even when Yo, Shuey, and whoever else comes back. So if you're going to do it and you like the guy, Chuck him in. And he doesn't have stupid hair anymore, so it's even more reason oh, to do well, it. Well, there's no reason for you not to pick him now. A question from a, a good friend of the panel's Waxed Cats. Yeah, Craig's asking a question. He said, for those that are running the bookie rucks at R2 and 3, what is your backup plan? You know, we talked a bit about it. For him, his insurance policy, and I like that idea that he's talked about, is Fullerton um, as a little bit of extra protection. What do you think about getting some insurance on that pick, whether it be a McAvoy in that back four and back ruck line or a Fullerton? Do you like that idea of giving some protection to the pick? I think so. But the, 
the thing is, though, you're still going to have to utilize a trade to sure. apply that. Yeah. So why not just use two, downgrade someone with the extra data we've got at any point in time and then upgrade the guy to the best option? Yeah. Yeah, it's a good perspective. It's Jason, the two trades. Yeah, I think that's a good call. Um, Jason wants to know, with the new rules in place and most likely, again, this is the premise he's coming from, most likely reducing stoppages. Do you think that affects the scoring of our big-time rucks and, which I think we've already talked about, but our contested heavy super coach scorers like a Patrick Cripps and even a Dangerfield. Yes. Yeah. Not so much Dangerfield because I think Dangerfield... He gets it on the outside. Yeah. Well, he's a weird kind of way. He's actually underpriced because he didn't have the world's best season last year. Yeah. So, and he's moving into the midfield more this year with the addition of um, Jeremy Cameron and so on. Yeah. But... It doesn't mean he's not going to play forward. It just means there's a chance here that Danger's a little bit extra value in Supercoach, that's all. Yeah, no, fair enough. Is, is it the same for a lucky meal for you in that format? Again, he got a lot of contested ball last year. Is he in that same consideration for you? And sorry, MJ, I'm going to say something that's absolutely going to upset you because I saw your Supercoach team and you got lucky meal. I do. I think people selecting Lockie Neal and Supercoach have lost the plot at the moment because there's a lot of chat about him playing not the midfield position full-time as he was last year. That's true. So last year's scaling was at such a point, he was absolutely crazy scaling, okay? He was in the midfield all the time. He played 90-something percent of game time, yeah. and the majority of that was in midfield. Correct. Now, he, I know people will say, they'll argue that there's might be a little bit of value because there was a couple of games he got tagged heavy. Sure. I don't see that changing this year, but I do know there's a lot more noise about him playing a lot more forward. Um trying to have more impact on the Brisbane results rather than having 40 possessions in midfield. So I really think Lockie Neal is something someone needs to manage their expectations with. Don't assume he's going to score 130 and average 130 for the season. Just just lower it by 10. Yeah, don't do it by five. I don't like five. Do it by 10. <laughs> That's right. It's got to be Neil's going to average 120. He's not going to average 130, but I'm still going to pick him for the points because I don't think anyone else is going to come close to him. Yep. Fair enough, cool. Uh, David Bish, while we're talking about Supercoach, David wants to know, to row or not to row? That's the decision more to him in Supercoach. What should he do? So if he's listening to this podcast tomorrow when my team's live, mm. I actually answer this question. Ooh. That's it, Ritz. It's all about the web hits. Good. Keep well, on. yeah. Well, I, <laughs> let's give a little bit of... I'm all about the web hits, obviously. Oh, I know. I know. That sounds rather motivational, clearly. You've seen our website, I'm right? Social media. I try not to talk to anyone. I don't like people. That's it. Um, Rouse an absolute. I think he's a no-brainer in yeah. Supercoach, and he has to be selected. He has Supercoach written all over him. And I'm coming from a guy who isn't really a Matt Rowell believer this year mm. you know they were 50 60 70 percent some of the ownership numbers i've seen in the preseason. i don't see how it works for afl i don't see how it works for dream team 
Sure. I think though, Super Coach, he is he's likely to go 110, getting 20 disposals a game because he is just that contested and that type of player. Yeah. I think he's a yes. The kid can play. Well, there you go, David. I hope hope that helps you and you'll fly or die on the same team of Brits, however that goes. TK wants to know, players such as Lloyd, Tom Mitchell, Clayton Oliver, um, they've all got some concerns around starting and he does um, because of that lack of pre-season games um, or having been recovering from injury. Do you have concerns with any of those three guys about wanting them in your starting squad, Ritz? Well, I don't think you could put them... Okay, so we spoke about a few guys last last time. Yeah. I don't think you put Lloyd and Mitchell in the same bracket. Lloyd did the whole preseason. He had a little knock on his knee. All of the information we've getting, and again, it might be pure lies, and we might find out in three weeks' time that he was absolutely broken. Hmm. But everything we're getting was, if that's a round one game last week, he plays. Yeah. Okay, and he's had a fly in preseason, so there's no. I wouldn't be worried about a Lloyd from that aspect. Yep, Mitchell, yes, I would worry about because he's had shoulder surgery. He's just come back into training. He's he hasn't really had a hit out, um, and for someone whose game is so heavy around conject, um, like contested ball tackling and so on, that just worries me a little bit. Yep. We know, though, that Mitchell's an absolute beast. So, yeah, he's okay. Don't worry about Mitchell. He's still going to score you well, even with one arm. If you could chop his arm off, he's still going to score well. That's right. He's still going to be just fine. All right, Mr. Fat wants to know, how does Rosie's injury and absence from the potential of the first couple of weeks, does that affect Butter's role? Does it give his midfield time a bump? Or does it bump his forward line? Or, of course, the option of no change at all? No, I don't think it changes at all. Oh, fair enough. They've got more players this year. So they got some boys that can run. Yeah. Well, they've got Fantasia. Yep. I think this guy's absolutely undersold right now. Do people forget how good this guy was a few years ago, just as a footballer? Yeah. I know um, a lot of the Essendon um, fans probably hate his guts at the moment, but he was one hell of a small forward. So so you added one of the former best small forwards in the game for a Rosie who's only out for a few weeks anyway, and you've got a Gray who stays at home a little bit more. I don't mm. think it impacts Butters at all now. No, I don't. I don't think that um, Rosie and Butters are linked in that way. I think you're right. Fantasia's the one that, that's the variable. All right, Matt Moore wants to know, Gorn seems like a very good captain option for the first three weeks, given his uh, matchups, but he's pricey. I'm happy to start him in DT and Supercoach, but he's tossing up between Grundy at R1 in AF. What should coaches be doing with that R1? Gorn's the most expensive player in the game. Grundy, yeah, but you're selecting an R1 as a captaincy option, yeah? Correct. That's so what you he said. Need, you need to invest your dollars in who you think's the best option. Hmm. Not, oh, I might be able to take a shortcut and save 70000 by going to a guy who may or may not score as... If you think... I mean, he answered his own question. Yeah. Gorn's got a brilliant three-round matchup. He looks like the obvious captaincy choice. Hmm. Guess what? You've answered your own question. Just well choosing. Done. Well done, Matthew. Um, more questions like that, please. Shannon Spitty wants to know, in AFL Fantasy... 
Daniel versus Doherty, pretty much the same price, but he just keeps tossing them up between, depending on the day. If it was a toss of a coin for you, Reeves, in AFL Fantasy, Daniel or Doherty, who are you going? Uh, Doherty, miles ahead. Yeah, I um, Like, I, I like Daniel. Yeah, good pick. But you know what? They talk a lot of rubbish about Caleb Daniel in the commentary and everything else. He's more likely to get a tag while Doherty just slips through the net. Uh, especially with an Adam Sard around now. I really do think that Adam Sard and Zach Williams in that team frees up Doherty a little bit. I haven't got him across the board, but I do have him in the team that features tomorrow. Oh, look at him. Screw the web bits. Love the theory. Uh, Adam has a question. He says, hey, panel, thoughts on a Jack Buckley from GWS? I think he might have that Whitfield role. Seems to be a little bit of a sleep at nice draft term at 2% ownership in AFL fantasy. What do you think? Can you justify him in an M6? He is defensive eligible as well, by the way. Yeah, yeah, no, no. He's got mid-defense. I noticed that he had that when I was watching him. He had a really good role the other week. He did. He's only 334,000. So if you're picking a Paddy Dow mm. or if you're picking a Fantasia type, then this guy, he's he right in the mix with the dollar figure. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the lack of defensive rookies Ugh, means that, you know, a Fantasia or a Buckley is right in the picture for your D6, I think, at this time. Well, and, you know, other guys in and around that price point, Markovs, Youngs, probably at the upper echelon of that would be a Jordan Clark, who's been conformed to, confirmed, not conformed, um, to, to play this week. So, uh, Yeah, but we said this a while ago. Yeah. Like, Chris Scott remembers his name today. He next may week. forget it next week. Totally. Totally. Jordan Clark's a fascinating player in this preseason. Um. Last couple of questions before we wrap it up. Uh, doesn't say a format, so it's not going to help us, but Lockie will have a go to help you out. He's got two questions for us. Should we be buying into the Dugowie hype? And what's the potential ceiling for him? Uh, should we be... I don't... I hate the word hype. I know you do. I, I may try to emphasise that for you. Hype. Because um, I don't think it is hype. Yeah. We're, what's hype about it? We've got a coach telling everyone he's going to play more midfield minutes. Mm -hmm. We've got games of football that hey, where he had more midfield minutes. Mm -hmm. We've got a game of football where he actually scored very well in those midfield minutes. Mm -hmm. What exactly is the hype about this? Mm. I think that people are keen on him. might be the hype. I don't know. But why would they be keen on him? Well, just from the evidence that we've got. Maybe, and that might be a reason over the decision. What's his potential? What do you think is his potential? Well, his potential is he could, like, so I think he actually could match Dangerfield outputs. Like, we're yeah. talking about similar players, aren't we? Style of game style, yeah. Like, I mean, he's going to play forward, he's going to play midfield, he's going to have... First player. He looks super fit. Yeah, Jeez, he looks fit. Um, I just don't know why we want to doubt... What we've seen. Yeah. You know, trust your eyes. Yeah. Trust your ears. If you hear things and you've seen things and they match, mm, why doubt point. it? Look, you might be fooled in round three. Okay. When round three comes, you go, oh my goodness, they fooled me again. <laughs> so what? Trade him. Yeah. Simple. Simple. Bring it around. Because yes. yeah, our rookie ruck structure is so awful that you'll need the cash anyway. So get rid of the goalie and bring in a ruck. 
Bring in the fifth ruck rookie. That's what I say. I think that's a fair call, mate. All right, last. Oh, he's got one more question, and then Matt's going to wrap us up for this preseason. Um, Lockie wants to know, he's been tossing up between Taranto and Walsh. Again, it doesn't say the format, but again, I'm going to presume it's AFL Fantasy because they are similar in price in that format. Similar price, he's saying they're both guns. One's going to be his M2, but he doesn't know which way he's leaning. What do you think, man? If it's down to being Taranto and Walsh, who would you pick? Why? Just go both. Yeah. Who's your M3 that's better than the M2 that you, one of the guys you just mentioned? Hmm. Like, if you're going to throw questions at us, don't do a one-to-one. Throw us who you selected at M3 and you can't have to only choose one of those guys. Yeah, that's a good call. Because the, the thing is, if you're picking another guy that's 30,000 less than one of them, well, just spend the 30,000 because they're your two options. You're, you're trying to select one out of two options for your M2. Mm. Just select them both and have an M2 and M3. Everybody wins that way. Well, I mean, you're looking at them as your M2. So who's locked in at M3 that means that one of them can't slide into M3 and just have both? Mm. Don't mind that. Because obviously he's keen on both, yeah? I, I would presume based off that, yeah. Yeah, so just choose both and nick off your M3. <clears throat> Love it. All right, last question before we wrap up this preseason with you. And thank you so much to every single person that's listened to podcasts, that's read articles, that's reached out over social media. We love the preseason part. And while it's one of the most fun parts of the season, the battle has only just begun. Matthew wants to ask the question. I feel like it's fitting that we talk about this player as the last question. What's your thoughts on Paddy Dow at F4 if it means he takes Caldwell's spot? <laughs> uh, which format? He doesn't say, but feel free to tee off on whichever format you like. I'm going to go get a beer. I'll be back. No, no, no. I just... He's... And I don't want to be... Like, I mean, he's a good kid. Like, super coach, he's definitely an option. Um I don't think he's an option in AFL Fantasy or Dream Team. But I also think that he's almost one of the worst players to own and watch play football. Because he the amount of times this kid gets pushed off the ball in contest does my head in. Like, look, he's a good kid, yeah. There's, he could be an option. We don't know. But who knows, MJ? I know you got him in super coach. Well, not anymore. I changed it. It's only 200,000. Yeah, I changed it. There was some, the cows that I got named today didn't need him. Yeah, I mean, I could see why you'd free up that cash because, like, I mean, how many of those 200,000 options actually turn into something really decent? Not a heap. Are we expecting Dow to score enough to make you 150, 160, 170,000 on his starting price across the formats? Mm. Now, he's going to struggle at 300 something thousand across some of those formats. Like, yeah. Yeah, look, I mean, what's he got to average, do you think, to make 150, 200 in AFL fantasy? Well, in AFL Fantasy, where his price, I think it's around about 330-ish, 340-ish, somewhere around there. 75, 80? Well, over a four to six-week period, but maybe week one might be okay with Mozak Williams rolling through that midfield. Maybe. 
But once Zach's back, like he's going to take up a good chunk of that midfield forward time. He, he's going to. They've spent a lot of salary cap to get him. Um, and so I just think for Carlton's benefit, that yeah, Dow, talented kid, hasn't quite come on just yet. And I hope for his sake and for Blues fans he does. But for me, no. He's got a bit of a smell, doesn't he? Just, He's got that smell where it's like, this is almost like his last chance uh, saloon. And yeah. if he doesn't perform in this next six-week period, he could be gone and not seen again in a navy blue jumper. Like, he's just got that little bit of a smell about him. Yeah, and I think that's fair. I think that's a thousand percent fair that that could happen. So, yeah, for me, again... Was he in my revealed super coach team? Yes. But the amount of cows that have come through that I think are going to match his scoring potential, which we talked about right at the top of the episode, I'm taking that extra 80K and I'm seeing if I can invest that better elsewhere. All right, we're done. The preseason is done. You have made it through, my friends. So thank you for listening. Thank you for following. Thank you for commenting. Thank you for reading. Thank you for reviewing. Thank you for supporting. Thank you for everything you've done. We love doing the preseason with you. We'll be back next week chatting with a number of different members from the panel. Your mid-season and in-season articles and podcasts will come. Yeah, Patreons, you're going to get a bunch more of exclusive in-year stuff as well. But, Ritz, mate, a pleasure. Thank you for your great work through the preseason. Nah, mate, you've been huge. Like, you might say that we love spending the preseason and stuff, but people don't actually understand how much work you do to get through a preseason. <laughs> so enjoy your next 23 round weeks of football and then a bit of time with the family because I don't think people understand, and we joke about it, but you actually don't see, uh, spend a lot of that time with the kids that you're investing into most relevant and Twitter and Facebook and this and that and everything else, the cash cow guide, you know, so massive effort by you, mate. Oh, thank you. No, look, uh, the good thing for me is though, like truth be told, like Rids and I, we've been mates for years. But the most important thing to me is um, I fail in life if I fail as a dad, as I fail as a father. And so nothing, no fantasy footy, no no work, no nothing will ever stop me from making that my most important thing. So for yep. me, um, I'm going to nail those I can things. tell you now, mate. I've I do spend a lot of time. <laughs> You've spent a lot of time. <laughs> but I can tell you the consensus across the board is absolutely everyone loves that you do. Oh, thank you. Well, I love being a part of the community. That's what I love. It's We are. We're a community. We support each other. We, we encourage each other and annoy the stuffing out of each other as well. But that's what friends and community do. Hey, mate. And appreciate that. Tomorrow Go. is round one. So oh, the most boring four points of the year. You have won the last few Keeper League titles the last few years. So the yep. dance is on after this. this okay. And this is as much lovey-dovey as you're going to get out of me. I'm not going to. I'm so glad we're recording this because this is it. Now it is just talk about a power stance for the next 20. <laughs> you're right, mate. My loveliness is over. And it's after 10 o'clock at night and I was asleep normally by about 8.30 because I'm a grumpy old man, so oh. I'm going to be really grumpy tomorrow morning. Oh, enjoy the week of footy. Good luck. I hope everything goes your way. I hope your captain delivers. Your, your, rookie, your rookie roulette absolutely wins. 
We'll chat to you next week. And from all of us at the coaches panel, 